Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast After Dark, the after show for the Slash Filmcast, where we talk about a variety of random topics. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by all of the Slash Filmcast patrons at patreon.com slash film podcast. Starting in 2021, that'll be the only way to get access to these episodes. Patreon.com slash film podcast. Thanks so much to all the people who supported us there. Joining me today for this episode of the Slash Filmcast After Dark is Devinder Hardwar, and also our guest from the main episode this week. You can find his work over on YouTube, as well as on his podcast, All My Movies with Dan Merle. Be sure to check out his Patreon also at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. Dan Merle, thanks for joining us today for this After Dark. Oh, thank you for having me. This is going to be, this has been a very fun discussion to have so far. So I'm, I'll be anxious <laughs> to, to talk about it some more. Yes. In Dan's time, we just recorded the Tenant Review. So uh, even though as you're listening to this, it'll probably have been a few days. But uh, we are here today because uh, several listeners have requested that we discuss The Mandalorian. Now, uh, Jeff Kanata really wanted to finish The Mandalorian uh, and discuss it with us today, but he didn't have enough time to do so. And uh, Dan Merle has lots of people uh, on his YouTube channel who care about what he thinks about The Mandalorian. So I thought, hey, great opportunity. Let's get Dan on. Devendra has watched The Mandalorian. So we are going to be full spoilers for Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, so if you do not want to be spoiled The Mandalorian Season 2, tune out. I also want to say that uh, I am not a huge fan of The Mandalorian. And so I won't be weighing in too much. I may ask questions. I may probe you guys, see what you think of it. But I'm going to try to stay out of the conversation with with my opinions as much as possible. So let me start with Dan Merle. Like overall, what did you think of season two of The Mandalorian? And how did you find it compared to season one? I am a huge fan of The Mandalorian. And I I feel like because the season ended the way that it did, and, and we'll get into it, that there's kind of a perception that I don't I, I that I don't mm-hmm. enjoy it. I love the show. I still love the show. I look forward to the next season. It was clarified in our time today. I'm sure by the time you hear this, a, a few days may have passed that there will be season three of The Mandalorian. It's not turning into the Boba Fett show. I was very happy about that because I like these characters, and I liked this season as well. I think that. I think that there's an aspect to to a television show, a weekly television show, where people aren't used to it being episodic. And mm-hmm. I, I I sympathized with people who were perhaps getting a little tired of the, oh, we're going to go on a side quest to do this. And, and I felt like they may have used that as a plot device maybe Let's once Let's make an uneasy times. alliance with somebody to, you know, continue this fetch quest. That's basically yes. the entire show. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I sympathize with that. But I felt like what they did was so well done. And, mm-hmm. and the action sequences were so great that I, I was willing to go with it. I was really willing to to... To, to ride it, I, I, I ride with the show. I loved the, the first season, and I really, really liked this season as well. I'm not a Clone Wars guy so I or Rebels, so yeah, everything with yeah. Bo-Katan and Ahsoka Tano, like that wasn't really in my wheelhouse, but I thought they were incorporated into the show very well. The ironic thing about The Mandalorian is that I love and have defended just about everything about the show that, that a lot of people have, have, have not liked, except for Luke Skywalker. That was the one thing that I really kind of fell the other way on. And because it was Luke Skywalker, um, and that was the thing that so many people loved, I, I feel like I have this reputation now in certain circles of this Mandalorian hater. It's like, wait, How dare no, you I, say anything negative? Yeah. I've been the guy all season that was saying, like, I don't care. It was a great side quest. As long as they don't, don't keep doing it, I'm with the show. <laughs> I'm angry about this one thing. Okay. Yeah. So I love the show. I, I really like the second season, and, and I can't wait for season three. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, Devinder Hardwar, your thoughts on The Mandalorian. I think this is a show that you loved from the outset and uh, in your estimation has probably gotten better over time, yeah? I genuinely loved it from the outset. By the way, my goal for this entire review is to make Dave Chen catch up with The Mandalorian because this show... You will be disappointed. It's It's not going to happen and I may tell you why. Here's the thing, because you gave up on season one and I get it because season one was hit or miss, right? I think that season one has some great stuff, like the introduction of the child and baby Yoda. You had, you had freaking, uh, who was who it? Famous, famous director in there. Um, Taika Waititi? Taika Waititi had a whole bunch of folks, but who was, who's the older guy? His name's just escaping. Uh, right Werner, Herzog? Werner Herzog? Werner <laughs> Herzog. Yes. It's freaking Star Wars, in the Star Wars universe. Like it was just doing really cool stuff. Um, it was sort of like big sci-fi that we don't really see on TV very much these days. Um, but I think the writing for some of the episodes was a little hit or miss. Season two is pretty much all bangers. Like every episode is just right out there doing something new and interesting uh, with great action. It feels like they were doubling down more, maybe on the budget too. Like it just looks better. They look like they each look like Star Wars movies now. Whereas I think in season one, sometimes it felt like, oh, we're doing a bottle episode here or something. Um, Every almost every episode has like a great guest character or other characters who come in. So the very first one has freaking Timothy Oliphant, you know, in Mando armor, like doing his Deadwood thing in the Star Wars universe. There's so much fan service going on in the show. It is kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, it's rooted in the characters like you care about Mando, you care about the child. And I think the season does a great job of building on that relationship while bringing in new characters like the freaking so many i have so many good memories of watching this and i'll also say i love the fact that every episode came out weekly this was not a binge watch scenario this was a thing where you watched you watched an episode you sat with it you thought about it you talk about it with friends you get excited for the next one repeat you know on friday or something and this i think the series alone really proves that the binge watch model probably not always good because i felt like i was talking about mandalorian since October, since it premiered, right? This has been an ongoing conversation. A lot of times, even if it's a really good streaming show, we're done with it within a couple of weeks, right? That conversation doesn't really keep going. Um, but yeah, overall, I freaking, I love this season. There, there's an episode where um, where it's basically turned into a full-on samurai movie. Rosaria Dawson plays Ahsoka Tana, and she, you know, she's from what? Rebels and Clone Wars, I believe. I forget yeah. which show. I'm not aware, like, I don't watch the shows either, uh, mainly because Clone Wars does not look good. Clone Wars looks very, or actually, no, Rebels looks even worse because they had worse animation. I'm all for all, like, I want to dive into all things Star Wars, but I just could never really, like, gel with the animation of those things. I'm now I am Clone really, Wars, I've got to say. I'll, yeah. I, I felt the exact same way, and so many mm-hmm. people told me how good Clone Wars was. And first of all, I went and looked up the proper order, which yes, is all out of order. I need order. to do that. Mm-hmm. And and I'm about I'm not that far in. I'm not past the first season yet, but the, it is very uh, it skews younger. It definitely gonna, skews younger, particularly yeah, yeah. in the beginning. But I have to say um, I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. And I thought I, I felt the same way that you did. And I'm really getting into it. I think mostly I was colored by uh, the the awesome Gendy Tartakovsky, like 2D animated Clone Wars, which is forgotten to the sands of time because Disney has disowned it and it's not part of canon anymore. I have my Blu-ray somewhere and uh, or my DVD. It's not even on Blu-ray. I'll love that forever. But you got freaking Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano here with doing some amazing dual lightsaber action, you know. The Jedi episode is basically a samurai movie. Like it is recreating Kill Bill fight sequences at some point. 
everything is just so cool. Like uh, the one after that, they have an episode that Robert Rodriguez directs and it's the introduction of uh, Boba Fett back into this universe. Mm -hmm. And it has just two minutes of sustained badassery. Just like Boba Fett walking. I don't care about Boba Fett. I have no love for the character, really. I was never a big fan. He was a helmet to me. Boba Fett was a helmet and a jetpack, as far as I was concerned. Until now. Until now. like, And also by bringing um, the actor back in who played... uh, Who's it? Uh, Tim Weir Morrison. Yeah. Yes, yes. Who played him in in the prequels. Bringing him back in, um, I think, is kind of cool. Like, his physicality, he's an older bigger rounder dude but he can still kick ass and having robert rodriguez in the star wars universe right it is just it's a fascinating show to watch just to see how it is sort of a playground for a lot of these different creators and artists and you think robert rodriguez you you get one of his action sequences basically with stormtroopers and with a lot of cool shit happening it is um it's astounding and by the time we got to the ending I didn't really put too much thought into the Luke Skywalker reveal. I thought it was well done. Technically, they basically recreated the Darth Vader scene from the end of Rogue One, except right. now Which, it's Luke. Yeah. I love that scene, by the <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah, I love that scene a lot. And and so some people say, like, well, how could you like that and not like the Luke scene? And I think that, I mean, I not to make the <laughs> whole season about Luke Skywalker, but this has kind of <laughs> been the big reveal. And, and, and where I yeah. kind of fell yeah. was like my big thing that I loved about the show is that it took you to places that you'd never seen before. Even with Boba mm-hmm. Fett, like we said, like Boba Fett for me was a helmet and jetpack. The show actually showed you why he was a great bounty hunter and you and you see the side of him that's new. Even though he's a familiar character, it's new. And you know, my big thing with Luke was we we just wrapped up the Skywalker yeah. saga and and when we bring in Luke now, it, it it kind of becomes now, well now it's all it's about Luke again. Cause now if you don't see Grogu or whatever, people are like, Where's Luke Skywalker? When's Luke Skywalker coming back? When are we gonna see Luke Skywalker? Now we're never really thinking like the Simpsons thing, where's Grogu? Right. What's, what's and now going it's on? all about Luke Skywalker again. And <laughs> but there's a weird thing that I've that I've noticed, which was that, you know, I, I said pretty much the same thing on my on my, in my review, and I got, I knew that I was going to be. Un, mm-hmm, I could tell from mm-hmm. Twitter that this was the unpopular. <laughs> I knew that I was going to be the guy that I was going to be like. Well, you know, it really wasn't for me. And I knew people were like, "Oh, come on!" But like, there was a pushback on it that was so much harder than I could have ever anticipated. Not from everyone, certainly, but from from a fair number of people. And and, and at first, I couldn't figure it out. And then. As I was reading a lot more of the comments and what people were sending, et cetera, the people that were really pushing back on me the hardest, like sort of crossing the line. You can disagree mm-hmm, with me. That's mm-hmm, fine. But the people mm-hmm. that were that were really going hard, I realized what it was. And it's this thing of like all roads lead back to The Last Jedi. Yes. The people yeah. that mm. loved the Luke Skywalker thing, it seems to me like, or a lot of them, the most were the ones who were like, this opens the door for them to decanonize the sequel trilogy because that wasn't Luke Skywalker. And it just kind of reopened this wound from the last Jedi where people didn't like the Luke that they got. And then they loved this Luke because that's the Luke that they wanted to see because they don't remember people change or they don't know people change over time. Like well, that's, it's that's just they just it. didn't yeah. like the direction they took the character. And I have my own yeah. I certainly have my own uh, reservations and, and disagreements with where, with where they took Luke. But that was like the missing piece. Like when I finally figured that out, it completely like uh, my eyes open and I'm just like, oh, I get it. Like this is why so many people love that so much and are so kind of pushing back so hard against people that maybe had a problem with it is this to a lot of folks is 
maybe not vindication, but I mean, it goes from a wish to some people I've read more than one person, more than a dozen people, more than that, probably think that this is legitimately the first step for Disney to decanonize the, the last sequel trilogy and to start a whole new story with Luke Skywalker that will be the Luke Skywalker that they wanted to see in these new films. If only there were three movies that were all about Luke Skywalker being an amazing badass fighting (laughs) Uh, people across the galaxy. Let me ask you guys this question. Okay. Um, I I've watched the final episode because I saw Mark Hamill tweet about it and Mm -hmm. therefore spoil it. And I'm like, okay, I got to see this. And I did get a thrill from watching Luke Skywalker and the music and all the cool lightsaber battles. The the buildup is really good. Too like I I feel like that is a lot of that's expert right because you see the X wing appear like oh okay what are we okay, doing so, right now yeah so, so I want to read this section from a film critic Hulk post on his Patreon page and I want to I want to see what your reaction to this is so Dan interesting interesting point about like this decanonizing Last Jedi thing but here here here's this piece I want to hear your reaction here we go um quote he literally just shows up. I can't get over that single solitary decision. Project any excuse or guess that you want about Luke feeling it through space magic or whatever, but this isn't a logic nitpick. It's a motivational question, which means it's a storytelling question because Luke is a character who has absolutely nothing to do with these people. At least Ashoka's appearance resulted in a big bonding moment with Grogu and a turning point that led into a larger episodic story. But here... Luke just shows up out of nowhere, and because the audience has a million other pieces of context for this character, the writers do away with any and all storytelling around him. They literally don't know who he is. Grogu just likes him, like the fans do, and it's all tied up in two seconds. There is no talk, no context, no trust, no fucking anything to do with no fucking anything to do with the story of this ultimate exchange. Thus, there is no actual catharsis in the actual story that has been told this season. Only the meta in which we go, Luke gets baby Yoda now. Honestly, I could not think of a lazier way to do it if I tried. Please understand, any fucker can trot out Luke and get a clap. (laughs) The job, repeat, the job is to make that moment work in the story that you were telling. The job is to set it up in such an elegant way where it feels perfect and invisible and yet earned. The job is to integrate it into Mandalorian storyline in a way that actually ties into some kind of theme. Just as the job is to actually articulate his heartbreak of Mando and him feeling, I just fought to keep him. And yet now I have to let him go. Mm-hmm. Well, Which, when you're when you're infused with as much gamma radiation as Film Crit Hulk is, then <laughs> I I he has the he has the ability to go much more forward because I agree with a lot of what uh, he said. I, I'm not quite as um, incensed by it, but mm-hmm, that's why mm-hmm. you don't make him angry. Uh, I, but I, <laughs> but I will say that that at the core of it, it, it's kind of where my feelings were the most was. I love so much about the show because it was the unfamiliar. Uh, even yeah, even agree, the people like, yeah. well, what are you talking about? It's the Empire. I'm like, yes, it's the Empire, but it wasn't Death Stars and it wasn't the Emperor. It was the grunts that are working on a refinery in a nowhere planet in the lunchroom. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it was a side of Star Wars that we'd never seen. Uh, and, and, you know, what's going on on a random cantina on the other side of the galaxy that everybody's forgotten about? That's what I loved about the show. And I, I think for me on a storytelling level, what 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 kind of kind of I, I guess I'll say it disappointed me was the idea that the show took it was a show about the unfamiliar that ultimately went mm-hmm. the familiar way. Yeah. 
that mm. went can, the way I, yeah, of yeah. we're bringing back the character that the entire franchise has always been about. For some people, that's very satisfying. For me, it was it was uh, a subversion of my expectation. My expectation being that I loved that we were going to unfamiliar places, and um, so yeah, I, I like film crit Holt. I'm not quite as outraged that he is, but <laughs> as he is, but I think at the core we have the same dissatisfaction and again the thing that i hate is that it's become so boiled down to this that like Mm -hmm. even i lose track of when i'm talking about the show the 500 other things that i love about this show like not just this season but like going back to season one like i'm the guy that was defending the prison ship episode because i just (laughs) loved it i loved how the mandalorian was he was just like a force of nature and and everybody was just like that episode was pointless i'm like that was one of my favorite episodes and and yet you know it, it takes us back to and it reopens the last jedi debate and we're right back where we started and, 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 and yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I want to ask you your highlights from season two, but before I do that, Devendra, I just want to give you the opportunity to react to what I just sure, said. Sure, sure. Yeah, to, to the Hulk thing. Like, I, I love Hulk as a writer, and uh, I see exactly what he's saying. I feel like I come down somewhere in the middle just because this was a 10, was it even five minutes? It was a very short sequence that has a profound impact on where the series is going and what are they going to do with Luke Skywalker, right? You don't introduce him and not have him show up in season three. Um, I also enjoyed that the show was about the other parts of the galaxy that we never saw. And it felt a little bit like a letdown that, oh, we're just weaving this back into the Skywalker mythology because it felt like we just did that with the uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um, but at the same time, I think the sequence was well done. Like just the the way they shot him as a lone cloaked guy tearing apart these uh, dark troopers which uh you know was a lot of work for the mando um i love how everybody was kind of scared of him too like it's sort of like he needs no introduction so i think there's a lot of like what this series does with silence that i've always appreciated and i feel like it was done here too that moment of catharsis the handover of groku to luke that that hit me i think that hit a lot of people and um it's amazing what the show can do with just Pedro Pascal, you know, looking at a puppet and it's really good puppetry, but man, it really tugged on my heartstrings. It did really feel like, you know, him giving up his child in so many ways and Pedro Pascal sold it. So I don't want to, we're all talking about Luke here. You know, we don't know what the show's going to do with that. Uh, it remains to be seen. Although I have, based on what John Favreau and Dave Filoni have done so far, like I have enough faith that they won't just, you know, make it the Luke Skywalker show in season three. I have faith in them. And I think Pedro Pascal sold that key moment because that's still, it hurts me. It breaks my heart. Can I petition to have the show renamed Pedro Pascal looking at a puppet? Mm. <laughs> so let so me, much puppet. Uh, let me ask you guys this question before I, I go to Dan for the highlights of this season. And that is, uh, do you agree with me that young Luke looked bad? He like, looks bad. I, I just yeah. Yeah, I did not think it, it was terrible. Good. It, yeah. I'm sorry. It that that may that may have been what kind of clenched me and put me on the other side. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I know there are some wonderful visual effects artists. I know it is an emerging technology. I know they were probably on a TV budget. It looked <laughs> awful. Mm-hmm. It well, the looked thing- the visual effects just weren't. And that's the thing. People are like, well, I'm looking at a still. Like, yes, when you look at a still of the scene, it looks great. Yeah. But any kind of motion that's added to Luke's face, it becomes a 
PlayStation cutscene and that, and I know that people said that like, well, I didn't say Mark Hamill, I guess did the voice. It didn't, it didn't sound at, at all. Like, yeah. Luke. like I remember when I'm like, when he starts talking, I, I said, it's like, that's not Luke. Mm-hmm. That's not Luke. Like, am I yeah, crazy? Yeah. So uh, they, whatever they did with the voice, I think that might've been part of it too, was that I, I just don't think the look was there. I, it looked in, in my opinion, it looked really bad. And I don't think that that helped. If you, if you can't do it, then I, I say, figure out a different way. Don't show his face or play it a little more subtle, but that didn't help either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Brendan Hodges at Metaplex Movies on Twitter, uh, tweeted out earlier tonight, one of the only examples of a fully CGI de-aged person done well is Rachel in Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Uh, I don't she know if you guys good. saw that movie, but yeah. um, she, she, I thought that would, he's, I, I agree with him that that is a great example of how to do a de-aged character correctly because, but you know, of course they're dealing with like a hundred million dollar budget and they put tons of work into just that one scene. I think that uh, the other thing is like the Marvel films seem to have nailed this, right? Like mm-hmm. you look at a uh, uh, Captain Marvel with a uh, young Nick Fury, uh, young Michelle Pfeiffer in the Ant-Man movie, you know, it's just like uh, when I watch those movies, I believe that I'm looking at the younger version of that person. That is not very, how I very different I watched... budgets there again, but yeah, yeah true, yeah. true, true. But it's just like, but it's now it's all the same company now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It feels like they should, they should, uh, you know, share some resources there. But anyway, I mean, yeah, I, I think you've basically uh, unearthed Disney's next big innovation, which is just the, you know, actor is frozen in time that we can recreate and put into any property f- for, you know, forever. Well, I th- I That's where Disney's this would going. Be, I thought yeah. this would be a demonstration of their fully operational power to do that, <laughs> but it's not. No. Um, anyway, uh, so Dan, let's not talk about Luke anymore. Let's talk about some of your favorite components of Mandalorian season two. Like, what did you enjoy about season two? Sure. I, I mean, I, the first episode, the season premiere, the Marshall is one of my favorite episodes of the series, if not my favorite episode of the series. Mm-hmm. I loved that battle with the crate dragon. I love the fact that they broke the aspect ratio and, and, and took it out to a to full, you know, to if you're watching on HGTV, to a wider aspect ratio to give it that more epic scope and scale. I mean, every aspect ratio gives you a different feel, but mm-hmm. I love that they literally opened up the show and to me, the Oliphant was great in that episode. You've got the Boba Fett reveal in that episode. I thought that was great. The next episode was... I didn't do a standalone review of it because I thought plot-wise it didn't really do much except for be a bridge to get from one place to the other. But the whole ice cave with the spider, the ice spiders, like that was such Man. a great... And I'm sure they have different names. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I shouldn't probably abbreviate as much as I do. But I thought that that was such a great action sequence. Yeah. And then you've got mm-hmm. the the X-Wings and, the, and, the, and the, the New Republic does show up and sort of save the day. But you see that interaction. And again, you have these space cops that are patrolling the galaxy. Um, I thought that that was really good. I love that episode. Um, the Boba Fett episode, again, one of my favorite episodes of the season, if not the series, that's top five for both. Um, I, I thought that, again, I it, it, I think maybe it's it's sort of why I liked the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One, which is that you you see a character who's had a reputation, and yet with Darth particularly, you know, it, Vader's story was always much more about his backstory and his Luke and you know, you never quite got exactly other than little glimpses, force choking and stuff, why he was feared as the most, the the biggest menace in the galaxy. And that scene in Rogue One for me proved that. And I felt the same way with Boba Fett. Um, 30, 40 years, however long of doubting why Boba, why, why was Boba Fett? Why did anyone care about Boba Fett? Like he, he's incompetent. who got knocked into the Sarlacc pit. That was we, all we, disproven we cared, immediately. By the way, like this is something I thought about. People just had nothing. They had nothing for decades, so all they could do 
was just take, you know, small characters from the original trilogy and be like, well, I love this guy. I love his toys. Uh, maybe I'll never see stories about him again. So let's make yeah, up this you, whole you, fan base. You're, you're saying you know? just in terms of content, they yeah, had there's nothing. There's no Star Wars content for decades, Dan. Yeah, and uh, and so people were just desperate for anything, and it's like this side building character, up whoever they he, can. Yeah, yeah, he looked yeah. kind of cool. He looked kind of cool. He might have <laughs> a good story. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you had the stuff, you know, the novels and whatnot. I mean, the legend of Boba Fett mm-hmm. was built, but as far as like actually seeing him in action, that was the first time that I got to contextualize that character because you've seen Django, but not Boba, even though this, they're literally you know the same person uh, genetically. Anyway, then Ahsoka Tano. Again, she's not a character I had a great tie to, but I loved how they brought her into the show. Mm-hmm. The idea of this kind of old west town and the the spear that that that's a great fight between her um, and uh, the uh, Morgan Elspeth. Uh, that that fight with the double lightsabers and the, and the Beskar spear, which is going to be big for for Mando later in the season. I just thought that was beautifully photographed. That opening sequence where they're all on the gate and this the fog, the mist of the forest, and you see the lightsabers, and she's essentially so, a ghost. It was just yeah. so well done, and I like that, that. That episode was written and directed by Dave Filoni, and you can really feel his sort of like animation sensibilities in it too. Yeah. Like it felt like this guy used to um, direct uh, Avatar: Last Airbender episodes too, and like so, like I could trace so much of my favorite sequences back to him and his influence, and I love that. Yeah, he's gone from that to freaking freaking live action Star Wars, man. Yeah, yeah, and, and and then you know just some great action sequences as well. The truck when they're on top of the transport with the pirates that are trying to blow up the explosive mm-hmm. material uh, while they're going to the Imperial plant. I, I thought that was a great action sequence. The 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 canyon sequence when they're escaping and Grief Karga's you know got the laser thing and you've got the speeder bikes coming back from Jedi and just chasing them through. Th- that was great action. And then you know Grogu throwing up in the cockpit was a funny moment. And I, I thought the egg thing was funny i know some people thought it was attempted genocide he's a monster uh, yeah i thought that was funny the the whole mando grogu thing was great and i even love things like that that conversation between migs mayfeld and and den uh, and mando about you know uh, compromising who you are and you know you look down on me like i'm a criminal like i just did what i had to do in the situation that i was in and it's like look at you you you, you're you're not wearing your armor you 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 know what's it going to take for you to take your helmet off which he did because he needed to get to the kid um and and it it was about i love that thematically just about this idea of like the criminal talking to the bounty hunter and saying like you know you think you're so high and mighty like you'll compromise your ideals just like i did when you're forced to and they do that in the episodes so i think they were able to really interconnect the characters in such a smart way again i i love this show i really <laughs> do like that's the irony here is i really really love this show it just There's, kind of becomes oh, about man. the one thing that i did <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I think it is totally fair to do that, by the way. Like that that is how everything goes. I like surprise and delight in my media. And this show, um, I think of every anything I've seen this year has surprised me and delighted me the most. Like Carl Weathers directed a <laughs> great episode. A great episode. Yep. Great episode. It brought Robert Rodriguez back. Uh Rick Fomayiwa had a chance, like he did the second to last episode, and that whole action sequence where they're on the transport and you have fighting off people who are chasing them. It's all just so good. It is star Wars, but star Wars like we've never seen before. So that's just why I've loved it so much. Season three, who knows? Who knows? I hope they don't lean on Luke. That's my only, my only big thing. I don't think it's a major, um, crime. I think the way that a lot of other folks do, it seems. Let me ask this question uh, to close us off here is, uh, are you looking forward more 
to The Mandalorian Season 3 or The Book of Boba Fett Season 1, Dan? <laughs> Uh, we don't I, even know what that yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. They, they both they both look really interesting, and I love that you're bringing uh, Ming Na Wen in as as a Fennec because I felt like she was criminally underused as Agent yeah. May. I feel like the MCU had a great kick ass character in May that they never properly utilized, other than inside Agents of Shield. So I'm happy to see her, but I'm invested in these characters. Like I like. I liked Den and you know, like it, mm-hmm. it wasn't the Grogu show. I, I it's weird. I, I heard from people saying that like they said that like they have friends that don't watch Mandalorian if if Grogu's not on it, or as they say, <laughs> or, or Baby Yoda's not on it. It's just like I mean, yeah. he's cute, but that was not the whole reason that I watched the show. Like it, I it love- was definitely a big hook though. Like here here's the thing, Dan. Like I did um Disney had some early screenings for Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. In New York. And they showed us like clips of the first and second episode. There was no Baby Yoda. So we had this like weird decontextualized look at like, oh man, they did like a great Western version of Star Wars. It looks like, it looks legit. It looks real. The action looks good. We don't know why they're giving us these weird cuts. You know, like they knew what they were, like they, that Baby Yoda was their bank for a while. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm looking <laughs> yeah, at two Grogu's yeah. that I have in the office right now. Yeah, Listen, exactly. I, I'm not denying the power of Grogu. I just mean, I am perfectly okay with the season three that is less Grogu uh, centric. And uh, I think between the two, I'll take the, the known quantity mm-hmm, and characters mm-hmm. that I like over, yep. you know, it's possible that if it just becomes all Rancors and Sarlaccs and, uh, you know, Tatooine that you could be relying a little too heavy on repeat beats. So uh, between the two, I'm going to go with Mando season three. Mm-hmm. All right. How about you, Devendra? Any thoughts? Same. Yeah. Like I, I don't, it was cool to see Boba Fett. I like seeing Mingano when in the series, but I don't, we don't know what that show is going to be. It is also going to be, um, I believe, produced by Favreau and Filoni. So they know what they're doing. But I, I care about Mando. I want to know what this guy does. He's lost his baby. Where, where does he go next? There's, there's like a rich universe for him to explore. So I want to see more of those adventures. And I want them to kind of maybe make the show more than just like a mission a week type thing too. Um, I do like that. It does feel like a throwback to like Knight Rider and the A-Team and like classic 80s shows in a way. Um, but you know, they can do more. I'd, I'd like to see them experiment. It has been a pleasure to have you on. You can find Dan Merle's work over on his YouTube channel, as well as his podcast, All My Movies with Dan Merle, and support him on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. Dan Merle, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on The Mandalorian with us. It's been an honor, dude. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I love talking about this show, and I will continue to love talking about the show. So thanks for letting me <laughs> geek right. out. We'll, we'll see you Thank in you, two man. years then, apparently. When it <laughs> exactly. <back. So>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dan. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 